The following is a workshop from the 2018 SDMI Leadership Conference in Cincinnati, Ohio. Thank you for listening. I do want to welcome you. My name is Rich Housel. I work in the Research Services Office at the Global Ministry Center. I've actually worked uh, at the headquarters, now Global Ministry Center, for 31 years. Um, and I went out there originally to uh, attend seminary, started working. My first job was NYC 87. Um, and after that, I did PALCON 88, working on that conference. And then they asked me if I would like to come work in the research office because they saw that I had some skills with some computers. And uh, so I said, sure, I'd love to do that. After working there for a couple of years, I said to my um, boss, is Dr. Bill Sullivan at the time, that uh, if you really want me to do this kind of work, I, I don't really need a theology degree um, that I was working on at the seminary. I said, I need a sociology degree. And so he said, that's be great. And I went to the University of Missouri, Kansas City, and did a sociology degree. And, uh, and now I've recently graduated from Olivet Nazarene uh, with a doctoral degree. And uh, if any of you are thinking about doing a doctoral degree, my advice is do it while you're young. I mean, less than 50. I did not. Um, <clears throat> I've, I've found that my mind takes a little longer to process some things. It, it's a little more work. but. Um, it is uh, a good feeling to have it done, and I learned quite a bit. The, uh, there's three of us that work in the research services office. Um, Dale Jones, he's been there, I think, 41 years. Um, started that office, was uh, hired by uh, Dr. Ray Hearn to um, start mapping where churches are for home missions. Um, and doing that and he started you know with pins and things they didn't have computers <laughs> things have changed quite a bit and then Laura Lance who uh, has really become our mapping expert um, and she's been uh, there now for I think 27 years I don't know if you add it all up on October the 3rd uh, between the three of us we will have served the uh, at the headquarters or the GMC for a hundred years together, uh, the three of us. So we really like each other. We work well together. All of us are seminary dropouts, so to speak. I don't know if that, <laughs> but uh, what I want to do today is kind of take you through our website and show you the resources that we have available for you to do research on your community and then also talk a little bit about just doing maybe some surveys uh, in your congregation. The first map I want to show you, though, is a map of the population of the U.S. <clears throat> and it's the, the percentage change in the population from 2010 to 2016. Now, overall in the whole country, the population increased by 24 million people uh, between that time. However, in the, you see all this blue, those counties have actually declined in population. So uh, I think we're right about here somewhere. I'm not sure. I know we're in Hamilton County, but I, mm -hmm. 
Um, so this, this has actually grown um, somewhere between 4 and, and just 9.9% during that time. But a lot of the surrounding counties, this would be Columbus, um, <clears throat> have, have declined. So you might find your church in an area where uh, there's actually been population decline. So I was going to show you, uh, the next one is Nazarene data. This is the, the population penetration of Nazarenes in the, the county. So uh, green is less population. Red is more population, 5% or more. There's not very many of those counties. Um, but the gray is where we do not have any Nazarene churches. Uh, so anything gray, there is no Nazarene church. But you can see a lot of where our churches are were blue counties in the previous map. Um, so <clears throat> the, what I want to show you today is how to find your particular area. And so, um, how many have been to the research services website? Good, almost, almost all of you. The, the, the two in the front are the ones that haven't been to the site. I like that. That's good. That's good planning. Let me take you to the site. Um, you can get here from the Nazarene.org just under organization and then come over to general secretary and research services is down here. I'm going to first take you over here to this community demographics. So in this area to the on the left you can type in a zip code, you can type in a, a town name, um, whatever you'd like. The, the mapping looks at a lot of different things to try to find the right place. So I'm just going to put Springdale, Ohio, since that's where we're at. And then I'm going to click Locate. By the way, all those churches on there are Nazarene churches. It looks like we covered the, the whole thing, right, at that scale. But um, as you saw in the previous one, there's a lot of gray counties. So if we have a Nazarene church, I have to change, I'm sorry. I didn't realize this was not uh, duplicating. Okay, so let me take you back because you didn't see this on the Nazarene.org page under organization. General Secretary's column, there's research services down here. <clears throat> Pulls up this page, and I clicked on community demographics. So that's what it shows. Um, gives you a map of the area. You can uh, zoom in or out if you don't um, see what you're looking for. You can move this map around. But um, you'll see here, we have a default to set to a three-mile radius. You can change that. 
if you're in a more rural area, you know, you, you might want to go to five, maybe 10, I don't know. Um, I'm just going to leave it at three miles for here. And what happens is now wherever I click, it's going to draw a three mile radius around that area. So I'm just going to click on the church here. Um, by the way, this says uh, Cincinnati Springdale, and then it says Springdale Hispanic. It's because we actually have two churches right there. They're overlapping. So the one is called Cincinnati Springdale, I think, first. Uh, but the Springdale Hispanic is the name is overlapping on the first, and so you only see the one. But I'm going to cl click on that area. And now it's, um, it tells me down here that it's drawing boundaries. So it's computing this, this three-mile radius around the, the church, and I'm just waiting. So the dashed line, the circle, is the three-mile radius. The data is by census block group. So that each of these is a census block. The Census Bureau typically puts maybe around 2,000 people in a census block. Um, and this tells me that it has selected 66 census block groups uh, for this area. So this is uh, the fairly uh, well-populated area to have that many uh, census groups. So I'm going to click on report. And it's... Uh, while it's pulling up this map, it's still thinking about it because it's going to again draw that circle. But this um, gives you a kind of an overview of the area and anything that's a solid color, those areas are growing faster than the population. So the overall population growth in the U.S. is about 0.8%, just under 1% annually. So these areas are growing a little faster. Anything with a, a hashed mark would be growing a little less than that or maybe even declining. Um, and then we try to tell you whether there are young adults, more than, average young, more than the average number of young adults in the area, or um, whether they're in family groups. And then if you scroll down, it finished doing all the calculations. So the, the first thing you'll notice is the total population was uh, 80,000 people in this area. And then we have a, a number of charts under this. It shows that the area that I selected is growing at half a percent. And we always compare, all of our charts compare it to the national average. So um, the national average, like I said before, is growing at 0.8%. So this area is not growing as fast um, or as quickly as the, the nation as a whole. Um, and you can kind of tell that again by all the hashed mark block groups there. But if you're looking for a block group that is growing in your area, then you can see it. Yes? The population, is that for that, that square of the map or just the circle? Like uh, it's, it's for everything that got outlined here. Okay. See, um, so the, this, 
the data is by these odd shaped census block groups. So if the circle has any part of one of those block, it gets the whole block group because that's just the way the data is um, figured. Yeah, so if, um, if it's not quite the area you want, then you can just go back a page, change that, that um, mileage, you know, to be a two-mile radius, or um, move the map a little and click, you know, move your center over somewhere until um, you get what the area you, you really want. So on this summary, we, we have a thing about household with children. So in this section, um, the households with children present is almost the same thing as the national average, very close, but there are more single parents. Hmm, that's interesting. Um, and you can go down, look at age groups, housing types, education levels, um, and household income. This area seems to be right on the, the national averages. Um, and then uh, racial breakdown. So I don't know if you've noticed, but under each one of these graphs, we have a, a click here for additional information. So I'm, I'm just going to click that on major races and show you the kind of data then. It goes into more detail. I think I clicked it. Is it thinking? Okay. Ah, um, so again, the map does some things about the percentage, whether you know it would be predominantly white or Hispanic or some other. And then you can scroll down when it gets finished. Um, that first graph is like what you saw before, but then it breaks it down to actually give you numbers and particular races, how many are non-English speaking, and then it actually gives you language breakdowns, and the top 15 countries uh, where there might be foreign born. So in some places, depending on where you're at, uh, there could be a lot of Spanish speaking, but um, Spanish speaking from Mexico is a different culture than Spanish speaking from Cuba, than Spanish speaking from Brazil, I mean, it, which is predominantly Portuguese, but you get the idea. Um, but so this would help you out with that. The, um, the other thing that I want to show you on this, because we won't have time to actually go through every, every piece of this, but um, there's a button here for detail information. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure you probably can't read this, but these are the census block group numbers. Okay, So you could pull that map up, you could print that map, and you'll... Um, have the other maps that maybe have the, the roads and things that you can um, compare it to. But then you can click and actually get a spreadsheet. 
put it there. Of all the data. And so that the map gives you the 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 block number so you could actually or the the track number yeah and you can actually look here and see what it is there's a, a hyphen with a number after it so the track track hyphen and then a number so you can match that up for the block group and you know see where maybe the greatest population is maybe males a certain age um, Whatever particular item you're looking for, um, here's information about females, not Hispanic, Hispanic. <clears throat> so there's just a bunch of stuff there. And uh, we have three different spreadsheets, one about population, one about housing, and, um, and then some population estimate stuff. So that's kind of how to do research, looking at the demographics around your area. Any questions, thoughts about that? Yes? My church is sitting all on the county line. Mm -hmm. uh, is that going to create, is it, that, that would, I would assume, create some, some unique uh, situation? Well, it, it won't for this. This won't care about that county line. Um, but it will on the next report that I'm going to show you. Yeah. Because this is just a radius. Correct. And it's the Census Bureau making their, you know, figuring out where they're going to make this block boundary, this block group. And some of it's based on population. Some of it's based on some natural geography or, or, or uh, you know, rivers or things like that. But... Um, but the report, you know, it's, it's just saying, okay, I got this block group with this data, put it together. Now this, this is Census Bureau information. Correct. And what, what is, I don't know if I could or not, but if I could go into the Census Bureau and look up these demographics, would I find exactly the same thing? Or coming through uh, your office, is there something added there? Um, yes, I, th I think we add by doing it this way with the block groups. You can find the tables um, with the data, like that spreadsheet that I showed you, but it's um, not organized the same way we do it. The other thing you can do is uh, if you wanted on a particular city or town name, uh, you can look up that that exact town name and it'll give you information about that town um, at, within the, the town's incorporated boundaries but um, if you find that let's say there you know are 30 percent of the households um, are single parent um, it doesn't tell you where this at least you can okay i mean they're going to be spread out probably but there might be a concentration depending on housing costs and things like that so you could uh, locate it a little easier 
with this information than you can with just a report about the whole city uh, that gives overall view. Yeah. Yeah. Is there any future projections sort of tool? So um, what this, this, the Census Bureau changed in 2010 how they do things. They used to do a census once every 10 years, and I think it was like one in 10 people got what they called the long form. And so you filled out everything about how much you paid for electricity, how far you drive to work. I mean, it was a long form. Um, but not everybody got it. <clears throat> they, they did away with that in 2010. The only thing anybody did in the 2010 census was list the people in the, in the house. Now what they do is every year they do what's called the American Community Survey, where they send out that long form <laughs> to a sample of households, and then they, just like they did with the other, do estimates on um, you know, just what they did previously with the other census. But they do it every year now. So the data we have up there is the latest data available. It's 2016, because um, they haven't released what they, the 2017 data yet that they, they did last year. They're still crunching their numbers, getting the estimates to, to fill in the whole thing. So, so um, that's, that's what we have. And um, they do call these estimates anything in the future they call projections. So if, if you want it like 2020 population, that would be a projection. Um, and that we, uh, I don't believe we do have in our information. We just stick with their estimate. Okay, I'm gonna move on here. I'm gonna take you, um, well, I'll mention this really quick. I don't know, you can find your, your church statistics. How many have done that kind of history? Yeah, so you're, you're really familiar with this. Um, you, you can do this for any church in the world as long as it's not in a, a um, creative access area or secured area. If you have a work and witness team going somewhere and you want to know how something about the church you might be visiting, you could look it up, see what their statistics, what they reported. Um, so <clears throat> one of the things I only typed in Springdale a lot of times on this, less is better um, because you have to match exactly what's in our database. So sometimes you don't know is first spelled first or is first one ST? Well, first is a bad search because there's a lot of first. Uh, it would pull up a lot of things. But so I, I just type Springdale and you see I've got Arkansas places and Ohio. So I'm just gonna click on this. The summary is just um, some select data and you can scroll down and see those are the only items uh, that we include on the summary. Uh, but it goes all the way back to the beginning of the, of the church. So if I hit on sheet five here, I'd go back. It, this goes back to 1934 and whatever data we had. 
Um, and if I wanted to print this, this is the best way to do it. Just say export to PDF and that'll print out for you. Um, but I do want to show you uh, comparative. So it looks at your worship attendance size and it will um, compare your church uh, in, in terms of like how you spend your money, your um, age group breakdowns to churches of similar size, if that's helpful. And then the detailed is literally a spreadsheet that has everything that your church has reported on its annual pastor's report um, going back to, to whatever. So just to mention that real quick, what I really want to show you is this U.S. religion census. So the U.S. religion census is actually something that our research services office collects the data for. This is done every 10 years. We do it, um, it's sponsored by this group, the Association of Statisticians of American Religious Bodies, um, and Dale Jones and, and Laura and myself all participate in this group, and uh, they contract with us to actually be the data collection center. Um, so they, they pay us some money, um, and um, I wrote a grant to the Lilly Endowment this past year, and so in March, the endowment um, funded us with uh, $600,000 to do this study. And the Lilly Endowment doesn't allow us to uh, use any of the funds to collect data for non-Christian groups. So we also have a $100,000 grant from Templeton that uh, we'll use, we'll, we'll ask some other people um, there's a, a professor at the University of Kentucky that will count the Muslims for us. Um, he's done that the last couple of times. It's another professor at Baylor who will count Buddhists for us. Um, he did that in our last study. We work with um, here in Ohio um, at Ohio State University. There's a um, couple a professor that specializes in, in our rural communities and has a real interest in Amish. And so he'll do the Amish counts for us. Um, and so we have that already, most of that lined up. It, it creates a lot of work, but we're really proud of it. Uh, this is hosted out at the Penn State University. So we work with them and the uh, American it's not American anymore, it used to be. They've gone international, so now it's Association of Religion Data Archives. Uh, there's a professor there uh, named Roger Finke who wrote a book about the churching of America. Um, and so we work with him and um, to, to get these reports. Um, there are studies that um, ask that, um, and yeah, I think Pew probably does the, the best work in that area. Um, and so what they've found in general, um, every, every case is, is a little bit different, uh, within evangelical Christianity, I think there is a lot of hopping around. Um, particularly since we have so many independent non-denominational churches. Um, but very little movement from, say, Christian faith 
to, to Muslim or from Buddhist to Christian or from um, that, that kind of hopping around doesn't, it's a very small percentage. Percentage that it's taking place or percentage that's being tracked? Uh, the best that we can track that, that is taking place, yes. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I was specifically thinking of from Islam to Christianity, if there, if there was data that was showing that uh, type of, of uh, transition. Yeah. Um, it's nothing that's collected on a regular basis. It would only be um, kind of like these American community or American religious identification surveys that uh, they ask what's your religion and then they might ask, you know, growing up, what was your religion? Um, so Pew would be the place I would go to try to find that. Are we tracking that on, on foreign fields uh, of areas that might be Muslim of, of that type of conversion from, from Muslim to Christianity? No, all we ask is, um, was this person received into faith by conversion? Okay. But we don't have information on their... Islam or Correct. Or something else. Correct. Now, I've done some, just anecdotally, uh, I've, I have done questionnaires of Nazarenes. Um, and ask them, you know, were you, what were you growing up? And um, Catholic and Baptist and Lutheran tend to be the top um, that, that we get conversions from other denominations into our, but they also tend to be the, some of the largest groups in the country, so. Um, well, the one thing that I, I want to say about this, Pew ask individuals, and they might ask 30,000 individuals, which is a lot, uh, what is your religion? The, the data that I'm going to show you here, what they do is they first count congregations. So it doesn't matter whether it's a Muslim congregation or Nazarene congregation, we try to count all congregations and then we ask those congregations now how many members do you have and how many total people are affiliated with your congregation um, <clears throat> Pew if you ask people what is their religion about 80% of the population will identify a religion um, and 75% of that's Christian um, but if you look at our study, affiliation to a congregation, this nationwide, only about half of the nation, just under, I think it was like 48.5% nationally, are affiliated with a congregation, or at least the congregation claims half of the country. So there were 236 different religious bodies that participated in this study. Do you know how much that's changed since the last? Um, it's been almost exactly the same. However, the study's gotten better at finding and counting congregations. So, for example, um, in 2010, this, this study did a much, much better job of finding independent non-denominational churches. 
previous studies only found really more the, the larger independent churches. Okay. So the percentage hasn't changed, but we're doing a better job finding congregations. And so that, to me, that tends to say that it's, it's probably been declining overall, the percentage that's affiliated. Because the percentage doesn't change, but we're doing a better job counting, so. Um, anyhow, someone give me a zip code. Any zip code? 36863. 36863, if I heard that right. My hearings heard different things. So, like I said, this data is, is collected, organized by county. Um, and you can see this is Chambers County, Alabama. The largest bar chart here is Evangelical Protestant. That's probably going to be because Southern Baptists uh, claim a lot of people in that area. But this is the unclaimed then. That's, that's what we call it. We, um, you might say unchurched but we just say unclaimed because of all the, the groups that participated, they weren't claimed in any of those. We don't know if we missed someone. But you can scroll down then and see all the different groups um, in this county. And here, the Southern Baptist Convention has 36 congregations and over 10,000 people that they claim. Um, Methodists, though, they also have 26 churches, but their churches are quite a bit smaller on average. And uh, Church of the Nazarene was here. We have four churches in the county. This adherent rate is per thousand people. So uh, Nazarenes claim 17 out of every thousand people in that country or in that county, which is pretty good because that would be 1.7% of the population. And then if you want, you can look and see the change. So I clicked on the change from 2010, or from 2000 to 2010. Um, I see the Southern Baptists have actually declined in that area. Um, and the Nazarenes have also declined. Um, so what groups, so this might be interesting, you know, if you're in an area that has declined like this, what groups just out of curiosity are growing? you know, and, and maybe looking at why. So um, Latter-day Saints grew, not because they added a congregation, they just had whatever it was they have is um, added 100 people. Um, so not a lot of growth here at all. Only Assemblies of God have added a church and they actually declined, so. So yeah, so tough, tough county as far as uh, religious growth. So anyhow, that's available. You can um, look, it's not just by county, but you can look by metro area or at the whole state or US. <clears throat> we, since, since we're kind of the ones that do this, um, you can actually look at our Nazarene districts and boundaries. Um, so we have that there. So if you click Nazarene, you can select the district. Um, and so I'm going to move on. Any, any questions about that or other thoughts? 
your 48.5% are affiliated with religious bodies. That's not just Christian. That's Correct. Okay. Yep. Sure. Correct. And um, yeah, so at the bottom of that chart, it told you what the population percentage was affiliated with all the groups. So the opposite of that would have been the percentage for the unclaimed column at the top. Thanks for asking that. Um, one of the ways that we organize the data is to look at, we do a report each year about urbanized areas. And then we, um, <clears throat> we organize it by our districts. So if you want to look at your district, what areas are we doing well, or where don't we uh, have a church, or where could we use more churches, um, I can, you can ask me for this report. It will give you the, the, the district, and then you can see the urbanized areas, the population in those, how many churches we have there, membership, attendance, adherence, and some ratios. One of the things I really like about this is, um, in fact, let me pull up, let's see if this link works. Okay, so here, here's the actual report. Um, what, anyone want to give me their, their district? South Central Ohio. Okay, so I'll scroll down to South Central Ohio. So you've got some cities here with these asterisks that part of the uh, city is on another district. Um, but we show the population. <clears throat> what, I, what I like about it is, you know, so here's, we have one church in Circleville, but it's doing pretty well. It's on a ratio, it's got 4.9% of the population. Um, so it's penetrated its population, even though the population is only just under 15,000, it's done a really good job of reaching that community. Whereas we have 20 churches in Columbus, but because the population's so large, we've only reached 0.6% of the population. Um, so we could use more work in the Columbus area. Um, and then if you scroll down, it shows you the urbanized areas where there is no Nazarene presence. Um, so Asheville, 6,000 people. Uh, what we generally say in our research uh, area is to get a self-sustaining self church. Uh, we think, just based upon our research and looking, that it takes at least 4,000 people in the population. But um forty two percent of our our pastors now are bivocational um, and if someone has a burden for for you know uh, Baltimore um, even though there's only thirty five hundred people um, you know I just I think you let God <laughs> move and and do that work but this might help with your planning Any questions about that? I want to determine by vocational, by their report or by a certain level of income. 
Yeah, so um, on the pastor's annual report, the USA and Canada region has added a supplemental section, and that's how we do it. We ask, do you consider yourself bivocational? Um, now, there's a lot of churches that the total income of the church, we just know they're not able to support a full-time uh, salary, anyhow. Um, but we have a lot of retired pastors who, um, you know, they're, they, they don't consider themselves bivocational because they're collecting Social Security and they're leading this church. So they're not thinking about another job. I'm not bivocational. This is it. This is what I do. But, so, um, yeah. And those people would not be considered bivocational in your statistical Not if they said no, then, then they're not. So I've just recently done a series of uh, tables for the Pensions and Benefits Office. And what I have found is that church income is a better indicator than church size of salary. So I, the tables that I do for them has groups by church income and then it has whether or not the pastor indicated they're bivocational. Um, and it breaks down then total compensation. Um, and they, they said this is very helpful to them. And I think they have made it available as part of a compensation calculator that they have on their site now. Um, so. <coughs> We, I do have a, a survey called the Nazarene Missional Church Survey. And uh, what I want you to know about this is that it's free. <laughs> you saw that. So this survey, how many are familiar with uh, natural church development? So, oh, okay. Not too many. Okay, about half then. Um, <clears throat> natural church development has a, a survey that you could do with your congregation. And it asks you, I think, to hand it out to so many key leaders, right? My following. Has anyone actually done their survey? The reason uh, maybe not is because it's expensive. They charge lots of money. Um, our survey, it, it, it's very comprehensive. It actually takes uh, 30 minutes for a person to complete. It, looks at areas of spiritual vitality, worship, discipleship, leadership, missional outlook, and missional partnership. This is one of the reasons why I like it uh, for us is because natural church development doesn't have any questions about missional partnerships, meaning, you know, work and witness or the, the regional college or what's going on with world evangelism funds. So, um, so our questionnaire includes those kinds of things. You can find this online. I'll show you where. So I'm on the USA Canada Regional website, under district, there's this. It's called missional assessment here. And on this page, um, you, you have my contact information. There's some survey instructions. There's a copy of the survey down here that you can download. The idea is that you download it, <clears throat> um, you distribute it 
to everyone in your congregation. You try to get everybody to complete it. Collect it. You enter it online. There's uh, instructions in there with a link to an online uh, form to enter all the survey. Have someone volunteer from the church or uh, maybe someone in the district office. I don't know. Someone can enter all that data. Send me an email saying it's entered and then uh, I run the report. And um, there's a sample of the type of report that you get uh, here also. So you can, you can look at all that ahead of time and see if you want to uh, do this. But this is uh, something that we have. There's not a digital form of that? <clears throat> there, there is. If you want to give people the link, um, you, you may do that, the, the data entry link. Uh, I don't mind if you do that. Um, does so that, th does that go to you when they fill that out? Um, when they fill it out, it goes into the database. So um, you would just have to tell them a code. So when you enter the forms, you enter a code. And it could be your church number. It could be the abbreviation you use for your church. Just something unique that you can say in an email, Rich, use this code to grab all of our surveys and run the report. And this is what we do with our report. We give a graph, a little explanation, and then we have discussion questions. The whole point of this is to facilitate discussion. Um, so it helps you to see where you're going. Um, but like I said, you can, you can see the survey on, online there and decide whether you want to do that. The uh, other thing I wanted to just maybe suggest is what I call three by five surveys. So these could be little three by five cards, or it could just be something you insert into the bulletin. Um, but, and, and it could be any kind of question. So I just came up with a question off the top of my head um, to ask, uh, maybe I put this in the bulletin. Who's your favorite character in the Bible? Other than Jesus, because we know Right, Jesus is always the answer. But we want to know someone else. So, and I, and I suggested some, but I allowed other. And you can make that suggestion list even longer. Um, but my thought here is, you know, I'm, I'm learning something about the congregation. And I can tell them, whichever one gets the most vote, I'm going to do a sermon on them. Or I'm going to do a sermon series on the top three. Um, or when you're talking with people then, you know, well, hey, who, d who did you say was your favorite Bible character in that little survey? You know, and if they tell you, well, tell me, more, why do you like that Bible character? What, you know, it just opens up conversation then too. So you learn something about the character or the, the people in your congregation. Um, but this, I mean, this could be about anything. Um, you know, did, did you sense the presence of the Lord today in our worship service? Did, the, did you notice the, the remodeling that we did in the foyer? Um, are, are our bathrooms clean enough for you? I mean, it could be anything. Um, and it's short, they're easy to, to compile, it, 
it just gives you a discussion point and some information about your congregation. Any thoughts about that? Good idea, bad idea? I like you can also do those digitally as well. You can yeah. send out a link to people, post it on your Facebook page, and they can take it. It's yeah. anonymous and, and compiles it all for you in a form. Yeah. But I would say um, rep report the results and connect. use it to connect with people. The last thing that, that I have is to just say we really do enjoy emails, phone calls from local church, from our district offices. So, you know, if there's anything that um, you've seen here that you think could help or if you have a question about something else, feel free to contact us. We, we enjoy that. So, any other? We got maybe uh, half a minute left here, according to that clock. That's the one I'm watching. But on the ARDA, uh, on the, can you only do it by county, or can you do it by actual community? You can. Uh, the data is at the county level. Oh, okay. So there is a thing where you can combine counties if you're on a county line. <clears throat> there, there was a link there. You had to look for it, but there is a link there that would give you the ability to to, to combine counties. Because I'm in Harris County, Texas, which is a ridiculously large county, so I put my zip code in, and it, it doesn't tell me anything about my community. <coughs> right. It only tells me about, okay. Right. So, um, yeah. The, the religion census data is just that way. Okay. Yep. Well, thank you very much. Uh, so glad Good. you came. Thank you.